From our epistle reading, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. We come today to the end of uh, my four-week series through our lectionary readings in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Through this series, I've tried to offer a vision for how Paul's reflections on suffering, on Christ's humility, and on our eschatological hope, our hope for life after, life after death, how these reflections can join us together at All Souls to be a community of self-sacrificial service to one another. And these reflections centered around Paul's line, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. Today, in a happy coincidence or happy providence sort of way, we have two things come together. First, our lectionary reading from Philippians 4. Um, Here, Paul offers his thanks to the Philippian church for their their financial provision for him. And second, today is the final Sunday before our annual fall stewardship season comes to a close. Now, actually, it's a bit artificial to talk about a stewardship season because stewardship is something all Christians are engaged in at all times. But as I wrote in your bulletin insert this morning, the vestry is planning our budget for 2024, and it helps them to know what money might be coming into the parish so they can know how to plan for the next year. And so next week's the deadline for submitting your pledge for 2024. So I want to bring these two together um, uh, to, to think with you about Paul's perspective on the support he received from the Philippians and how that might be instructive for us as we think about supporting this parish. So first, let me remind us of uh, the context of Paul's writing. Paul's likely uh, in a prison in Rome, and he's writing to a church in present-day Greece. This is a church that he helped to start uh, in a place where he passed through on, on one of his missionary journeys. And Paul clearly feels a great deal of affection for these folks, and, and they seem to feel similarly towards him. Despite their physical distance, Paul and the Philippians are very much in the same community. And I think this motivates Paul's earlier instructions about striving for unity in their community through self-sacrifice. Paul sees the Philippians' financial gift to him as an example of living out his instructions to look not only to one's own needs, but to the needs of others. The Philippians looked to Paul's needs in their support of him. Yet I think there's something of a fine balance uh, that Paul is attempting to strike in his discussion of these financial gifts that the Philippian church had given to him. Now, I never like it when preachers say, here are 19 points you need to remember from my sermon. I can maybe remember two or one. So let me apologize in saying that there are four components, not 19, four, uh, that I think I see here in, in, in Paul's delicate balance that he's sketching in his view on the financial support he received from the Philippians. So let me lay these out, and then I'll, I'll expand on them. So four components to Paul's teaching here in Philippians 4. Uh, first, we have all we need in God, so we can be content with little or with much. Second, A giver-receiver relationship has the potential for creating an unhealthy dependence relationship for the receiver on the giver, whereas the only healthy dependence relationship should be between all Christians and and God. Three, God uses other humans as a means for bringing about a healthy dependence on God. And fourth, giving is good for the giver, actually. Let's see how these components work together. 
So um, the first idea I want to focus on comes most clearly in verses 12 in, and 13 of chapter 4. This is the idea of we have all we need in God so we can be content with little or with much. Paul says this. Uh, he says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That last verse, of course, is like the most taken out of context verse in the whole Bible. But the context here in chapter 4 and in the rest of Philippians indicates the lesson here is that Paul has learned to be content regardless of the circumstances. Whether he has a lot or nothing, whether he's out free preaching in the marketplace or locked in a Roman prison, he's learned to be content with what he has. Paul, I think, has learned that ultimately everyone is dependent upon God, and, and if one has God, then really nothing else is needed. And this, then, I think, can be our starting point for our own giving. We start from a recognition that all that we ultimately have is from God, and all that we ultimately need is from God. It's far easier to give generously when one is living with an abundance mindset than when one is in a scarcity mindset. But Paul's saying that the Christian really never has to be in a scarcity mindset because with God, we have everything. So when we think about giving or when we give, let's try to learn this lesson that Paul has learned, that we have all we need in God and we be content with his provision. So Paul is balancing out his um, gratitude for the gifts he's received by reminding the Philippians that actually, with God, we don't need anything else. And I think this is reinforced in this second component of his reflections, uh, which are this, as I put it. A giver-receiver relationship has the potential for creating an unhealthy dependence on the receiver, of the receiver on the giver, whereas the only healthy dependence should be between all Christians and God. So Paul here in chapter 4, I think, is kinda, seems to be kind of worried that if he's too flowery in his expression of gratitude for the, for the Philippians, he might, it might seem as though he is dependent on them, that he needs them to do what God has given them to do. So this is why he says things like in verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, or verse 17, not that I seek the gift. If he had said that he was dependent on the Philippians, it might undercut that first point, that actually all we need is God and that we can be content with what God provides. It'd be unhealthy or be inappropriate for the Philippians to see themselves as the ultimate source of Paul's provision, and it'd be inappropriate for Paul to think that he was depending on someone other than God for his needs. Rather, he didn't come looking for money because he didn't trust in God or because he wasn't content with what he had. The first point remains, all Christians are only ultimately dependent upon God for what they need. But this idea, I think, leads to the third point, uh, to balance out these first two. Paul has said that the Christian ought to be content in any of the circumstances, because if they have God, then they have all they need. And, and receiving these gifts might create this kind of unhealthy dependence relationship of the receiver on the giver. However, and here balancing things out, however, God uses other humans as a means for bringing about a healthy dependence relationship on God. Now, this might seem like a pretty inefficient move on God's part, but in God's wisdom, and I think in his love, too, God has invited us to join with him in providing for the needs of others. 
I mean, think about that. God is the almighty creator of the universe. He could have just, like, zapped some food into Paul's prison cell. He could have zapped into existence anything that Paul needed at any moment. But God uses others to bring about his provision. And I think in doing so, he actually knits together the giver and the receiver. Paul says in verses 14 and 15, It was kind of you to share my trouble. And no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Ultimately, God supplied Paul's needs, but immediately he used the Philippians. The Philippians then became an instrument of divine grace, an instrument of God's provision to Paul, and by extension, an instrument of Paul's preaching of the gospel. That might be inefficient, but what an honor for the Philippians. And moreover, this had the added benefit of drawing Paul and the Philippians into a deeper relationship with one another. As I mentioned repeatedly throughout this letter, Paul speaks to and of the Philippians with a great deal of love and affection. He even specifically names uh, certain individuals in the church. It's clear that Paul cared for them and that they cared for Paul. If God had just zapped some food into Paul's cell, Paul wouldn't have had the opportunity for this kind of engagement for the Philippians. If God had circumvented the Philippians to provide for Paul directly, then they all would have missed out on the relational opportunity that sharing in trouble or partnership in ministry brings. So I think then this has an amazing application to our own context. When you give to All Souls here, you are are partnering with all the ministry that takes place in and through this place. It's your money that goes to our missions, and so it's you who goes with it. It's your money that cares for the needs of those in this congregation, and so it's you that cares for these needs. It's your money that pays my salary and gives me time to prepare to preach, and so in a sense, it's you who preaches. You partner with the vestry and the clergy and the ministry leaders um, to do the work that God is calling us to do. By, By your financial gifts to this parish, you get to be used by God to do the work that's going on here at All Souls. And I think that knits us together as well. We all are on mission together. You may never get up here to actually preach. You may never go to the Kenyago Dandora School in Nairobi. You may never actually volunteer in the nursery, but we're all joined together to one another through our partnership in doing God's work here in this parish. And I think that's of great benefit to us. This takes us to the fourth component of Paul's reflections here. He continues talking about the support he received from the Philippians from the perspective of the giver, where he makes, I think, the observation that giving is good for the giver. Paul says in verse 17 that he doesn't seek the gift that the Philippians have given, but he actually seeks the fruit that increases to their credit or the profit that accumulates to their account, as the RSV translates it. I think the idea here is that Paul wasn't looking for the gift that he received, but he's pleased to receive it because he knows that it's good for the Philippians, good for the givers. When you give, you have an opportunity to allow God to show you that he will supply every need of yours, as Paul describes. I think we in America are are so conditioned towards uh, self-reliance, and that's not totally a bad thing, but it can have its excesses. We secure for ourselves our comforts, our securities, the satisfactions of our needs and our wants, and and we can have a tendency to think that we can just handle it all ourselves. 
by giving away some of our money, by putting ourselves even in a financially uncomfortable or unsatisfied context, we give ourselves the opportunity to exercise the trust and the faith in God that's in line with the reality of our ultimate dependence on God. I know it's a scary idea. It's, it's a risky prospect, but it's, but it's true. We, we depend on God. And learning that, developing a habit of thought about that, is good for us as it aligns our thinking and our living with the truth Paul expresses in verse 19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Let me draw these reflections to a close by offering two very practical uh, instructions. First, um, I think embedded in Paul's comments is a subtle how-to for developing a healthy perspective on giving generously and self-sacrificially to the work God is doing. Paul, in verse 18, refers to the gift of the Philippians as an offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. We, in the Anglican tradition, talk about the Eucharist as a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. This is in part just what the term Eucharist means, thanksgiving. So every week, practically speaking, when you come to our Eucharistic worship, I wonder if you might think about joining your sacrificial financial offerings with your sacrificial offering of thanks and praise, connecting together these offerings that we give. The second very practical instruction in light of the first idea has to do with our pledges for 2024. As I mentioned, those are due next uh, Sunday. And, and if you're considering giving a pledge, if you're considering indicating some amount you wish to give to all souls in 2024, I'd encourage you to spend some time prayerfully reading through this passage here in Philippians 4. But secondly, we have two ways of submitting pledges online and through physical paper cards. Uh, we're going to collect the physical paper cards during the offering next week. Those symbols of our pledge will then come up with the bread and the wine, the symbols of God's provision for us. This is an offertory sacrifice, hopefully well-pleasing to God. Now, we have the option to fill out your pledges and do them online, and that's a convenient thing. It's convenient for me. That's what I do. I do my giving online these days. But I do think there's something kind of conceptually disconnected when our pledges are done in the electronic ether and not physically connected to our sacramental worship. So if you wish to submit your pledge online, which is great, but if you want to remind yourself of the connection between your pledge and our Eucharistic worship here, here's what I suggest. Take a piece of paper and write something on it like, I pledged online, but I joined that pledge to this offering of thanks and praise. And then you can slip it in the basket. You don't need to put your name on it. You don't need to put an amount on it. This is for you. This is a reminder for you that your sacrifice here is being joined to our Eucharistic worship. We all need individually and as a parish to be reminded that all we have is from God. And that we can be content with little or with much, as Paul says. And we must always keep in mind that ultimately, we only ever depend on God for our needs. But God does use us to do his work. In his graciousness, he doesn't circumvent us, but honors us by inviting us to partner with him and his work. And this has this added benefit of drawing us closer to one another into a unified community based, in fact, on Christ's example of self-sacrificial humility. Amen.